Improvised Music Agenda podcast. And who you hear back there is our guest this week, Will Glazer. Thanks for joining us again. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. So I'm Hugh V. Williams, I'm your host, I am a musician, and I like to talk to other musicians. So yeah, that's the whole concept of this podcast, basically. So I'll try and keep this intro pretty short. Yeah, so Will Glazer, great, amazing drummer, uh, based in London, and I've known him for a few years now, and we've been playing a whole bunch, but I thought I'd interview him, because he has his first record out, which is a duo with saxophonist Matthew Hurd, and yeah, so the record is some standards and some improvisations, and yeah, we get into that in the conversation. So, before I say more about Will... Uh, if you are a regular listener, you probably know about the whole Patreon thing, but if you're a new listener, this is a Patreon page. So if you want to chip in a few quid, that'd be awesome. Uh, if you just search Improvised Music Agenda in Patreon, I'll put a link in the description here. But if you don't want to give any money and like the podcast, please do give a nice review and rating in iTunes will help the visibility of the podcast and hopefully help spread more of the weirdo music that we're into. So this conversation with Will took place in either November or December, I can't remember now, but yeah, so he came over to the garage and we talked life and music and yeah, we're getting to an interesting thing, which I've been thinking about a lot recently, kind of how we consume music and yeah sort of feel like the last generation of the people who buy CDs. So again, talking about that. But anyway, without more waffling. It's nice to see this new place. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? So, yeah, because it used to be a bit run down. It did. And, and now it's, it's all like a proper room. Yeah, white walls and everything. <laughs> Sofa. Padded walls, there's like a little hook from straight jacket and kind of... <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. Good. Cool, man, how was your Christmas? Was it all right, was it... Did you manage to play much? Uh, no, I had a bit of time off. Just Good. before Christmas, I had a few days when I wasn't doing anything. I had a gig on the 27th up in Nottingham at Peggy Skylight, which is this new gig in Nottingham. All right, Worth okay. checking out. With Hugh Pascal... John Turville and Dave Mannington, which was fun, and that was Christmas Chopsy, you Dude. know. Man, yeah, I had that, because uh, I did a New Year's gig, but I hadn't, like, had a chance to play for over a week. That's Man, it. That's but but it's like, it feels left-handed. It's yeah, it's awful. Horrible. But also, in the same, sort of like, before Christmas, I was like, oh, I'm really ready for a break. And he's like, it'll be really good, sort of like, recalibrate, chill out, and then I'll be like, yeah, I can't wait to get to the New Year, and then you play the drums. And it's just like, I thought I'd have new things, but actually I can't yeah. play anything that I used to be able to play. <laughs> yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's like, and even just thinking about that kind of... Uh, yeah, it is exactly that, actually. Like, not being able to have the muscle memory. Yeah, had. all the fine motor skills. Because, like, yeah, gone. you sort of, like, hear things within limitations, i found. Mm. But then... Uh, I just try and do a poor motion impression. But that's not <laughs> always needed, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I always do that anyway. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. 
good, yeah. good. So, uh, yeah, so let's get autobiographical. So okay. you grew up in Nottingham, I did. Isn't it? And then, cool, but was music always around when you were growing up? It was. My mum's a piano teacher, oh. or was becoming a piano teacher. She studied music, and then there was a piano in the house. Um, yeah. I mean, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. I mean, it started playing on pots and pans. <laughs> Did you actually? Yeah, actually, <laughs> oh, yes. there is a picture somewhere of me in bright red dungarees, um, blonde and innocent, playing on an assorted row of pots and pans with spoons. You know, the usual musician thing. And then, yeah. I wanted to play saxophone and I wasn't allowed. Oh, really? But your brother was? Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't <laughs> my parents. It was my school, my primary school. When oh, they were giving right. out instruments, I really wanted to play saxophone. And my mum was a clarinet player as well as a piano player. And she, she was like, yeah, you should be able to do that. And they told me my teeth were all messed up. Oh, no. And I wasn't allowed to play. So my mum was like, right, you're going to play the drums instead. Really? Yeah. That's oh, how wow. it happened. <laughs> Man, that's like, it's pretty rare. It's- I guess, yeah. I can't imagine many parents going like, yeah, look, we're going to get you some drums. Yeah, she's an idiot, really, if she looks <laughs> back on it. But, yeah, I'm really grateful. Um, and then, yeah, that was in workshop there. And then I moved to Nottingham for secondary school. Oh, OK. And then I had an amazing teacher, actually. So when I, when I couldn't play saxophone, my mum was like, right, you're going to play drums, and also got me lessons. And we used to drive to Dinnington, and I used to see this guy called Steve Cahoot. And I sort of went for one lesson a month so it's probably about 10 lessons a year or in from like 9 to 18 and he oh he was amazing he had this whole room of like timpani uh drum kit xylophone congas marimbas like everything he also had like a percussion hiring thing so for the area so it's just like he taught me everything like loads of, well not taught me everything but you know he taught me loads of amazing like you would, one week would turn up and it would just be like we're just doing shakers or next week or next month it's like just orchestral percussion stuff which oh, is wow, amazing okay. yeah and he taught me how to read he wasn't really into jazz and then but yeah, he was an amazing teacher and then I played a lot in school I was having a think actually on the way here it was like because obviously this is I knew you were going to ask this sort of question it's just like actually I used to play a lot there's like the school concert band the school orchestra school jazz band and then there was like the Nottingham Youth Orchestra the big band in Nottingham the East Midlands Youth Jazz Orchestra it's a lot when I was a teenager alright oh, so like, but it was time. like that percussion thing as well so did you ever do teen percussion? I, mm, yes oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> not very well I've got a sort of phobia because I've started playing piano before I played drums and there's something about I, I love getting the rhythms right but I can, there's something about pitches terrifies me oh okay it's, it's a weird mental block I had a really I had a very old fashioned teacher when I was about seven or eight who used to slap my hands and um, when I got things wrong and I just remember tears and stuff of not wanting to get into lessons oh really no, yeah. yeah I remember that because I remember I had a piano teacher when I was growing up I think I must have been a bit older, like kind of 13, 14 or something, but like proper kind of... Uh, yeah, it's horrible. UKIP style. Yeah. <laughs> music it's, it's mental. Teaching. But yeah, but I remember once she like showed me this video. It was like, this guy just shredding on piano. <laughs> 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 just said like, right, look at this, we'll never be that good. Oh, and great. Then, and just, but in a way, to like, check this guy out, kind of. I mean, but then, uh, there's a way to inspire and there's a way to... <laughs> 
there's a thin line there, isn't there? I know. It's Something not. that may inspire may also crush. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so funny. But um, all right, cool. So you were playing in a bunch of like right. school orchestra type things. Yeah, and, and the county orchestras and concert bands, and the city orchestras and concert bands. And all right. There was a lot of that. That's where I met Mark Lewandowski. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, he grew up around there, mm. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was playing cello in the Nottingham Youth Orchestra. And then he started playing bass in the big band. And then, yeah. It was... I also did, I guess, I did Junior Academy on Saturdays when from about 16. It was mental. I had an amazing teenage bit of time, now I think about it. Like, yeah. every week was just always doing music. Oh, great, yeah, yeah. Which is... It was amazing. That's all I wanted to do. I hated school. Right, <laughs> yeah, I liked yeah. playing music. Oh, great. And did you ever do the whole uh, teenage rock band thing? I did. Yes. I started out being a rock drummer. Yeah, of course. And now it's come so, full circle. Yeah. Man, <laughs> I just yeah, want yeah. to play rock again. No. So, uh, but yeah, in terms of that, that listening and stuff back then, what were the formative records? Ooh. Led Zeppelin. I mean, just for everything. I'm massively into John Bonham still. Oh. Always will be. Dude, it's unbelievable. Like, uh, what's the first track of Led Zeppelin one? Uh, Good times, bad times. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. But just like hearing the drums on that for the first time, was like, what the fuck? I think that was the first thing I transcribed actually. Really? Not knowing it was transcription, but just like sitting down and like listening to it over and over again and working it out and just being like, I need to learn what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. Dude, yeah, he's insane. And just, but yeah, just like all those albums as well. Yeah, a lot of that. Also, yeah. I think. Uh, my mum and dad were sort of really into like Pink Floyd and you know that sort of generation of rock music Jimi Hendrix that sort of thing which is a lot of instrumental music actually I mean there's obviously singing in it but there's like like Led Zeppelin songs like there's huge things that are just instrumental yeah yeah which I think is kind of important I think definitely and think about like uh, was it Whole Lot of Love just that bit in the middle that's like pretty much half the song I yeah. remember timing it once yeah. just like two and a half minutes of just like Some, yeah. noise reverb yeah out there it's much more weird than I think you give it credit for when you're like Jimi Hendrix smashing up a guitar on stage or like that, or just literally or playing it with his teeth it's just noise he's making yeah. noise it's great isn't it <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, uh, yeah the precursor to everything <laughs> yeah afterwards I guess it's amazing yeah, I oh, really cool. hold that music quite dear in my heart. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, but yeah. So, so you were like super into that late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. So did you go when through, I like, was his... about early teenager? Oh, okay. I was about fourteen. I think I was about fourteen when I was suddenly like I knew I wanted to be a drummer, and I started getting into funk. It was sort of when I joined the big bands, and okay. I was listening to like Count Basie because we were playing some Count Basie. Or like James Brown, because you know the youth orchestras or youth big bands playing, you know, your funk tune, the Chicken, or you know yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And that's sort of how I went in. Oh, great! So, all right, that's cool. So that informs your listening as well. Yeah, I was just into drummers. I, or, I mean, I was into the music, but it was just like I was playing the drums, and the drum drummers always excited me. And you hear something, and you just be like, "Wow, that's amazing! I want to learn about that." Is so suddenly you'd hear James Brown, and you're like, "Oh, what? I've never heard this before." And there's like a whole different way of playing the drums from like John Bonham's way of playing the drums. Yet there's something similar about it as well, and yeah. that's just it's really amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. It's time and feel and sound and all that stuff. 
Oh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. And uh, yeah, because I mean, there's so much. Well, so many amazing drummers around that period as well. Yeah, and like, also just the way it was recorded as well sounds incredible. Like roomy things, like roomy drum sounds, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Definitely, but like, oh, what was I listening to recently? Uh, the meters. Oh yes, yeah, like, Zigaboo. Uh, Zigaboo model East. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I remember. F- yeah, I mean that. Yeah, is another like I. Yeah, that was on the funk checking out thing. I remember like used to buy like CDs. I used to get the. I used to do this a bit later with jazz, but I used to get the bus, and it went from opposite my house into Nottingham. And the bus stop was opposite my house, and then it got it dropped me off up outside Fop, and I would go in and I would just go to FOP I wouldn't go anywhere else in Nottingham and I'd spend like two hours like sifting through a load of stuff and then like oh which one do I like deliberating I've got like £25 how many £3 CDs of like the Blue Note stuff or like the reissued rock things I could buy and then go home (laughs) I wouldn't do anything else oh man I wish I had a FOP when I was growing up because it's amazing yeah it's only since moving to London I've like found out that FOP existed you know yeah it was. But I can imagine I would have lost my shit if I was, if I was yeah, a teenager. Yeah, it was unbelievable going in there, man. It's suddenly, and then you just, I do love that. I, I think that's why I got back into records because I remember like seeing my parents' record collection. It's like big CDs, aren't they? <laughs> they're really exciting. <laughs> they're huge, and the artwork's big, and you're like, "What is this thing?" And it makes noises, and it's yeah, fun. Yeah. But yeah, like sifting through CDs and being like, "Oh, I know that guy," or like. She sang on that. I'm going to do this, or like I know, like seeing the names and going between them, and just like I'm going to try this one. I'm going to try this one. Yeah, exactly, man. But yeah, that's what I found out. Like, uh, yeah, because how did I get into all that? Like, even like being into Chili Peppers mm. and reading interviews and seeing what they're into, and then that going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, because I remember reading things like Flea talking about starting a Meters cover band. I can't find the right drummer because no one sounds like Zigaboo Model yeah, East. No. And it's like, I know the meters, right? Let's check out. Yeah, I uh, think that's really important, isn't it? But it's like that thing that, especially, I guess, you're told at music college, you know. Who, if you want to, you know, check out the people that inspired the people you like. And, like, at once upon a time, you didn't have to be told that, you just did it. Yeah, exactly. Because you were interested. With, with no sort of preconceptions of like, oh, I should do this. I should sit down and I should find out. You no know, five people that this, but it's just like you were just excited about it. It's yeah, amazing, exactly. isn't it? Like, uh, but I don't know if that's the thing anymore. We're like, because no one buys albums. Hmm. Well, not saying no one buys albums. The younger generation. <laughs> we should be careful though. We shouldn't. We can't. We can't get that old that quickly. No, exactly. These well, young yeah. whippersnappers. <laughs> Yeah, because I think I'm the last of the CD generation. Yeah. I feel that way. But anyway... Um, but vinyl's back. And vinyl's hip and cool. And the young whippersnappers like buying vinyl, right? That's true. So maybe... I don't think it's dead. No, no. I hope not. Well, it can't be. Cause I kind of hope it's not, but only for that enjoyment. Yeah, but I mean... Excitement that, that I had... Yeah. You know, buying a record and like sitting on the bus on the way home and ripping out the plastic and reading all the liner notes. Dude, it's the best. Man, yeah, like so many memories of that, just like flicking through things. Mm. And uh, yeah, but just that feeling, like you were saying, kind of like you've only got like a budget and then you've got to be like, right, how am I going to afford yeah. this? How am I going to get the most out of my 20 quid, whatever? Yeah. But uh, yeah, because I remember that. Yeah. 
that, that exact experience, like checking out uh, Live Evil mm. by Miles Davis, like the first kind of like jazz quote unquote album that I bought. Yeah. But yeah. you can remember your first jazz album, though. Yeah, it's bad. Like, it's bad. I remember, like, and what a way to start. <laughs> yeah, it's like, maybe I should check it out, you know, you, when you're kind of into those, like, nerdy bass guitar magazines, whatever. Ah, right. There must have been something in there about something or the other. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, but, uh, yeah, but I remember checking that out, and then on the bus back, and then it's like being super excited to check this thing out my mate's house they put it on oh, it's like yeah. this noisy kind of like you had friends you could listen to this music with that's amazing <laughs> yeah well, I have one mate he's uh, yeah he's like into like all sorts of things anyway right loves to kind of like check out BC Boys and stuff together oh cool all sorts of weirdo shit which is quite cool but um yeah but yeah but it's that feeling it's sort of been distilled now to like going on Spotify or whatever streaming service there is mm. and I don't know. I don't know if it's a thing of sharing anymore. No. Like... Well, I, I, yeah, I don't know if there is... Well, there must... No, there is. I don't know. People... Do, I, James Orsop, I went to his house and he puts records on for you. And, the, like, all his records are out. And you sit and there was a... Did a Snack Family gig before Christmas. And Tim, Giles and Lizzie and myself and James went to his. And all the records are out. And, like, part of just sitting there drinking wine and talking was, like, leafing through the records. And Tim's like, oh, have you heard this? And I was like, so it still exists a bit, but yeah. I don't know if it happens with younger people. Yeah, exactly. No, so I was thinking, like, with... Because if there's the Spotify link, and if you share that with someone, because you're yeah. bombarded by links, like... I don't listen to a lot of Spotify links that people send me, and that's to my shame. But it doesn't feel like an event... Does exactly, it like yeah, clicking yeah. on like, something? Yeah, you can send links to whatever, and yeah, I mean, because you're dealing with the whole internet. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, so that point must become content, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's quite scary. On the other hand, though, easy to check out loads of people you've never heard of before. That's true. Yes, yeah. that is all. Like, it's a great tool for learning tunes, isn't it? That's yeah. You can hear in one place like fifteen different versions of one standard. Exactly. Yeah. I, I quite like it for that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. But no, but I st- still feel weird about that whole Spotify thing. I do listen to some mm. things on it, but I do it more as research. I think I listen to stuff on there and then go buy the albums. I still buy albums. Yeah, yeah, same. It's kind of you have to slow down a tiny bit just because of. Uh... Yeah, I'm going to have to stop for this year. I think I'm going to have a new rule that for this year I'm not going to buy any new albums and I'm going to listen to all the stuff I've got. Go back, I think, listen to like the stuff I was listening to when I was like 15, 16, yeah, and yeah. work my way through again because there's obviously so much stuff that captured me then. Yeah, and they're re- they're amazing records. They were just like the classic. You know, you must hear these jazz albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't. I feel like I know them, but actually, probably should go back and listen to them. So maybe that's a way of saving some money this year. Yeah, exactly. Not buy any more records. But yeah, but that's things like almost it's harder to buy physical copies of music these days. Mm. Well, that's what I found anyway. Like uh, even the past few years, like Amazon CD prices are like. Yeah, I guess that you you got you know very uh, high and niche tastes but I do remember being perplexed at Amazon when it was like hundred and something pounds for a CD second hand sent from France and it was like one of those 
uh, I was trying to get the whole collection. You know the Charlie Hayden concerts that they did in France? And there's like... Um, there's like it was like a festival of Charlie Hayden and they did like Al Foster and Charlie Hayden and Joe Levine not Joe Levine oh it's Joe Henderson Joe Henderson yeah there's right. like those three do one and then there's like Paul Motion Paul Blay and they do one together oh, and shit. there's one with Jerry Allen and Paul Motion and I think there's one and this is the one I don't have and this is I think this is the one that cost loads of money was like Jack Dijonette Pat Metheny and Charlie Hayden and I couldn't f- I was like there was a few more this Liberation Music Orchestra right. one it was an amazing festival and they taped it all and I wanted the whole collection and I couldn't because <laughs> yeah, it was like was 117 like- pounds or something for a CD and it's like what? yeah man it's like yeah, because was it? I was trying to check out uh, Coltrane live in Japan. Mm. I'm trying to find like a physical copy of that. It was like hundreds of pounds. It's yeah, like, is it on Spotify? Yeah, that's the thing. I was just trying to figure out like, am I going to get what I want from that on Spotify? Oh, you know what I mean? You're going to be able to hear it. Yeah, that's, yeah. For whether it, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's like, not the ownership thing, is it? It's not in your catalogue. I quite like building up a sort of music library exactly yeah yeah it's the best in it it's yeah kind of, yeah love it but um but anyway <laughs> records it's all fun but uh so you starting to get into jazz when what during that period yeah sort of 14 15 i remember i was going to big bands there was a big band called the brasserie big band in um nottingham and <clears throat> that's that's why i started playing with mark which that was actually he was the first guy we were like clicked at the same age oh, and right, yeah. into like the same stuff and we had like nerdy conversations about Ornette Coleman yeah. it was amazing um, so yeah getting th- through that and then there was um, through playing and this was like through playing at school there was a piano player called Dougie Freeman who was at Guildhall like four years above me but he, his parents bizarrely went to the same university as my mum <laughs> Oh, well. and they're musicians and then when I moved to secondary school they just happened to live in the same place So, and they were a bit older than me and Sam Freeman who's a classical trombone player amazing trombone player um, they just brought me along to everything that they were doing so I was incredibly lucky oh, amazing and then they were sort of like you know that that dissemination of things you know, older people like oh check out this and check out this and check out this thing and like looking back it was some of it was you know questionable but it was like really important like yeah, getting yeah. into jazz and yeah I think the first the first stuff I was really into the first drummer I was like properly properly obsessed with was Max Roach and listening to like Clifford Brown and like Sonny Rollins and all that all that sort of stuff I had one very important lesson with Dave Hamlet when I was like 15 because oh, well, cool. I started playing in a big band, the East Midlands Youth Jazz Orchestra, um, because these older musicians who went to the same school, they started doing it, and they were like, you should come along. So I did, and it was Ed Richardson who was the drummer. Oh, oh, okay. So that's where I first met Ed, in Derby. And then, before Ed, it was Dave. And before Dave, it was Josh Blackmore. (laughs) So I I didn't know this at the time, but there was a huge lineage of, like... Yeah, that generation of British jazz drummers, which is sort of amazing, and they're also really different. Yeah, totally. I love those guys. But yeah, so I had this lesson with Dave Hamlet, 
and he introduced me to like you know jazz he fact he gave me speak no evil but he copied it onto like a blank cd so i had no idea and then like he went and did his first year at academy or like six months and i went back for another lesson when he came home and i'd been listening to this cd over and over and over and over again and he turned and i was like oh have you been checking out elvin jones and i was like Elvin who? What? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh, on that album that I gave you, he was like, oh, that's the, oh, cool, yeah, wicked. I just didn't know. Oh, I was yeah. just like, I forgot to, he didn't, like, write anything on it or, like, and it was just a blank CD. But with, and I sort of listened to it all the time. But he told me to go to Junior Academy. Oh, wicked. I had no audition for that. So that's sort of how I went into jazz, oh, I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. all a bit of a blur. As you yeah. can probably tell from my erratic way of talking about oh, that's it. That's cool, that's good. Um, I've got, so who was at Junior Academy at the same time as you? Uh, so when I first joined, uh, it was like Todd Oliver, um, Tom Walsh, Will Barry, Jim Gold, uh, uh, Sandy Totsvig. Not Totsville. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, so I'm not going to say his name because I, I, I'll just get it wrong. Oh, yeah, I know who you mean, Because, yeah, I'll just be rude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so used to saying his name to him as a joke. <laughs> which, is, which makes me a terrible person. Um, <coughs> yeah, I think. And Ralph Wilde. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I can't so, like, really remember. Else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was. I had my ass absolutely handed to me. I was terrified because up until that point, I was listening to like Count Basie and like Clifford Brown. Max Roach was my hero, and then all of a sudden, it was like, "Can you play in seven? I was like, "What? What is this seven? Uh-huh. And I couldn't. And so, like, Kenny Wheeler. Here's all this music because Nick Smart was still running it then. Right. Okay. And it was just like, and then it suddenly opened up to this like, oh, jazz isn't just this music from, well, I mean, it is this music from America. But yeah. there was like, this country also has a history in it, which I, was amazing, like Stan Salzman and Norma, and that was amazing and terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wicked. And then, but yeah, so that's, uh, so from going there, then you went to Guildhall. I did. Cool. Um, with Mark as well because Mark joined in the second year of Academy uh, Junior Academy okay so I yeah <laughs> he's my companion oh okay we yeah. even live together but yeah we went to Guildhall and did my four years good and then uh, yeah because we were Guildhall so that so who were the teachers you had there the I had Trevor Tompkins I guess the, it was the first time in my life I'd ever had any regular jazz drum lessons. I was sort of really excited about that. So I had Trev Tompkins in my first year. And uh, Andrew Bain in my second year. And I sort of had them both throughout, really. Oh, I remember. And then, yeah, because Trev Tompkins... We kept hearing the name, but I never, like, checked this thing out, but... Because he was around like the seventies, the whole folk thing as well. Uh, I don't know about the folk thing. I know he used to play with um, Don Rendell in Car. Oh wow! Okay, you know all that stuff. Um, so that sort of generation. Um, he's a very unique human being. All right, cool. He's like sort of eighteen years old, not really knowing London, getting a 
like tube to somewhere I've never known walking before like, I had a smartphone like writing all down the oh, pieces yeah. of paper so I could try and find his house and then open this and then suddenly there's like walls of CDs and like fag hanging out his mouth and sitting going like an hour lesson would be three hours and it was like giving me loads of stuff and sheets and ways of thinking I was just like wow this is really exciting I really I really loved that time amazing but all the lessons were at his house yeah. Oh, yeah. You? I don't know if you're allowed to do that anymore. No, no, no. Um, but I really enjoyed that. It's sort of it's quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And then, all right, cool. But so that's when you were starting to like connect to the scene a bit. No, not really. No, no. Uh, I think this is sort of. I was quite shy. Okay. I sort of when I went to junior academy, it was such a shock to my system. It was just like. In in a good way and all sort of in a bad way as well. It was just like I was this kid from. Oh, it's like everything, you know. Like you suddenly realise the world's much bigger than your view of it, and it can be incredibly daunting and sort of like. Ugh. I just thought I just felt like from the age of sort of sixteen to age of like I still feel it now. There's just so much shit I've got to get together. So when I went to Guildhall, I just practised like all the fucking time like loads and loads and loads of practicing all the time and I sort of I played with the people that I was at college with and I was lucky to like it was like there was Mark and there was like Rude Patterson in my ear and uh, Adam Chatterton and Jamie Saff and Dougal Caston and like Theon Cross and like I had some great people to play with and then I sort of through those guys met some people at Academy but no, it wasn't until I left college that I sort of was like, oh, shit, got no gigs. Yeah, <laughs> I need yeah. to earn some money. <laughs> um, uh, I started going out and, like, going to the Vortex Jam, going to Ronnie's Jam, um, sort of meeting people, picking up gigs. So it wasn't until after I left, really. Oh, all right, OK, yeah. Because I think when I met you first, when I first moved down, I think you were still the Guildhall, possibly. Yeah, I think I remember we had a play with Alec. That's right, yeah. Or did we do like a function above... Did we? Barbican or something with Sam Brisher. Oh, that's highly likely. Or something like that, I remember. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I, that I think I've remembered the, the fun play over the sort of sweaty garden good, good. <laughs> function. <laughs> Man, I think I've got that on my hard drive somewhere, that. Really? Alec was like super into recording everything. Ah, amazing. He emailed me like that. I remember we played a load of like... I brought in a Paul Merchant tune. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. we played free. Yeah, <laughs> that <totally>. was exciting. <laughs> but um, cool. But yeah, so you like, but it was around then you were saying you were getting into Paul Motion and stuff. I got into Paul Motion. I guess was that the, <laughs> was that the gateway drug to like all the. I think I got into Paul Motion in my second year of Guildhall. Okay. Um, I guess this I, I spend quite a lot of my time thinking about music, obviously, and but also about how to develop as a musician and how to practice I really love practicing because I think through being a teenager and like doing it a lot at Guildhall when I was a teenager it was only me who was into this so I like in my vicinity until I met Mark and it was like I'd go and buy some records and then after school I'd be in the music and I didn't see my school friends as much as my other school friends saw each other because I was right. practising or going and playing music so it always felt like something I had to do 
um, and I really enjoyed it. It's almost like meditating. Right. Like, yeah. it makes me feel better as a person for being, like, time at the instrument. Um, I've forgotten what I was going to say. Why were we talking about that? <laughs> what okay, was the right. question but, you asked? But, 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 but the practicing thing's good. Yeah. Talk about that, because you still, like, do loads of it now, right? Yeah, not as much as I want. Yeah, man, but yeah. No, I, lo- I love it, I love it. Oh, I wish I could remember why we were talking about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Paul Motion. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh, God, yeah, what a tangent. Um, something that I found really important, and it really clicked with Paul Motion, is the history and tradition of jazz being really important to me. Yeah. And sort of, it reconciled my, like, I was really into Max Roach when I was younger. Well, he was my first love, and um, Elvin. Like, really melodic ways of playing and, like, a certain sound. And then going to Junior Academy, it was suddenly, like, loads of information about loads of stuff I couldn't do and, like, bigger worlds and, like, there's music from India, there's music, like, fuck, no, fuck there's so much shit, I can't do any of it. Uh. Yeah. And then, like, music college was like that for a while. And then hearing Paul Motion was sort of like it all crystallised. It was like, here is someone who played... And I'd listened to him when I was younger because I was really into Bill Evans for a while. Like, the Sunday of the Vanguard and all that stuff with Scott. And, like, I loved that. Mm. Um, But he was part of that tradition and he played with Monk, even though it's not recorded. And, like, yet he sounds so individual... Yet it, what he's playing is just jazz information. Whether he's playing free, in time yeah. or out of time, whether he's playing with, like, Paul Blay or the early Jarrett stuff, which I'm really into, yeah. or then, like, the electric bebop band or, like, the trio with the Lovano and Frizzell or, like... All this stuff, he always... And it's just incredible. So that, yeah, getting in, getting into him sort of was just like, ah, right, okay. The history, you have to find a way of making that language yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you don't have to necessarily reinvent the information going in. You just have to sort of assimilate it, I think, and then it will come out of you the way you hear it. Totally. So that's, yeah, that's what getting into Paul Motion was for me it was like this huge huge thing which like some people I think listen to Paul Motion and go oh it's sort of really abstract and I heard Paul Motion and I was like jazz tradition right yeah yeah cool so that really helped yeah Yeah, so that was second year yeah yeah yeah, no it's music it's incredible but like uh, yeah I don't know it's just one of those qualities just like a lot of openness in it yeah which and so, s- something I've always been interested in without necessarily realising it sound, touch and feel and there's something magical about I mean I love so many amazing musicians for so many amazing reasons but the thing I'm really drawn to is just like how can someone play one note and it be amazing like Miles yeah. or like Poor Motion or like you know so many or actually so many amazing people like Lester Young or just like they can yeah. it's a, it can be an Louis Armstrong it's like actually it's not technically really hard it's not massively harmonically complicated it's not rhythmically complicated but it's 
fucking amazing. There's yeah. something magical about that, and that fascinates me so much. Totally, yeah. yeah. So how do you... How? How? That's the thing that really gets me sort of like... Whoa. Dude, yeah, sound. Yeah, sort of like that, sound, like, feel, how... touch. Ugh. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I often think about that kind of... Uh, it's like how to get everything vibrating. Mm. Yeah. So I can tell you, you, you check, check all that out. Because well. the way you play, I've noticed, like, kind of how everything goes together sonically yeah I don't think that's a conscious thing I think that's I like yeah I like drums to ring I like them to like go boing definitely yeah. I really I, other people can have the sounds that they like you know yeah. but when I play on someone else's kit when it's like a sort of muted bass drum and a dead and snare drum sound which is like a vibe and like some people absolutely totally rock that yeah. I get on a kit that's tuned that way and it's just like uh, it doesn't yeah, feel yeah. like me it's like what Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah I, like, I just like but I think that comes from what we said earlier like the stuff that I grew up listening to was like drums sounded like they were in a room because they always are in a room you know not yeah. massively compressed not massively closed mic'd I like them to sound like drums totally yeah yeah to me they sound like drums if they ring a little bit <laughs> definitely yeah <laughs> but um cool but so I was going to get to uh the duo mm. record some ringy drums on that yeah good <laughs> but yeah I was having a listen it sounds wicked thank you very really much like it. but, um, yeah so yeah when did that start was that that started yeah I met Matt Hurd Matthew Hurd the wonderful Matthew Hurd my brother in arms he was at Academy doing a postgrad whilst I was in the end of Guildhall. I can't remember, was it third or fourth year? And we had a band playing um, with Jamie Saff, Tom McCready, Sam Rapley, Adam Chatterton, myself, I think. That was it. No, maybe it wasn't Sam. I can't remember who was in the band, but it was called Audrey, and we played improvised music. Oh, but we cool. tried to play improvised music in a way that was, like, structural. It was with Sam, sorry. Um, and yeah we would try and have like improvised form and shape and like contrasting sections and like as if we were like taking the idea of composing in the moment to actual actually make pieces and stuff and that's when me and Matt started playing together I think and then when I left college and I had nothing to do with my time we just started playing duo at my house in Bounds Green and we would do it all the time I think it was you know incredibly regular it was a really tough time because I had no money and couldn't and had no gigs so I was just practicing all the time and I couldn't really spend any money and just playing with like people at the house and stuff and we would like we started off just like improvising together and then we started playing tunes and then we started writing like tunes together okay cool Um, and we've been doing that sort of for four and a bit years now on and off and that's yeah and then last year this time last year I was like we're going to do an album and that's yeah and we did it good good <laughs> then uh, cool but yeah but I remember the house in Bounce Green though mm. that was wicked yeah because I remember having a few plays there but didn't we ever play there when you were like packing up the house yes that <laughs> <laughs> oh, was like, so God. stressful oh man <laughs> yeah and there was that big booth that Adam McLaughlin had in there which was being taken was down was that in the front room yeah I don't think I've ever saw that did you never see that I don't, might not I I think, uh, yeah it, we had a lot of different musicians of there like Connor Chaplin and Jamie and Chatley and it was really fun 
had loads of amazing plays. You came over, like Rick came over. Yeah. I, Ollie. There was an amazing play once where <laughs> uh, I was sat on the stairs. I wasn't playing. I was like, Connor, who also lived there, had like James Madron, Ross Stanley, and James Alsop over for a play. In my front room, and I was just like, "Whoa, this is brilliant!" I sat on the, I sat on the stairs with a cup of coffee, just like, "Well, don't need to do anything today. This is amazing. wonderful." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really loved living there. It was amazing. It was falling down. Yeah, yeah. So all good things have to come to an end. Definitely, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, sorry, but yeah. So the, the recording, yeah, sorry, of the yeah. duo, uh, yeah. So you recorded that in March, Canal, is it? That studio. Uh, yeah, Fieldgate, Fieldgate yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, Mr. Yeah. Andrew Lawson. So we, were you guys in the same room? Yeah, the same room. We wanted to... Mm-hmm. We When we were playing, we also talked a lot about music. And we... Yeah, the same room. It's mostly improvised. We didn't have any massive plans. We did, like, four improvisations and five tunes. Um, and sort of the same approach to all of it it's just like we spent a lot of time playing and talking about like that thing that we used to do when we were at college which is like how to improvise in a way that is like a piece of music so how can you with another person create structure out of you know thin air like repeating sections or going back or like having a big shape that's what we're sort of trying to do with improvisations um and the sort of same thing happens with the tunes. We just sort of play them um, and try and just make all ideas quite strong. That was the sort of sort of plan. <laughs> but we actually just went into the studio, set up, started. Imp- we did like a f- three three improvisations, which all ended up on the record. And then we were like, right, we'll do that. We'll have lunch and then come back and let's do some some of the tunes that we wanted to record. Oh, great! And it's all in one day. Two days. Two days, cool. We did it in two days, but we actually just went in and just went... Some of the tunes we just did a few takes of and we're like, well, we'll pick the one we like later on. And then some of them we were like, ooh, actually, this interesting idea came up. It's like Jitterbug Waltz. We ended up doing quite a few takes because we were sort of like... We did a take and we were just like, no, that wasn't really happening. How about we try it with a sort of groove? And then and we were like, oh, that kind of works. So that kind of morphed into what it was over the course of the thing but I just quite liked that I've been done lots of other people's albums where it's just like it's heavily composed music um, which is a whole other ball game and yeah. it's really amazing to sort of bring someone else's compositions to life and find how to colour which areas and all that it's like a really detailed way of thinking um, so this is the opposite <laughs> which is just like how you know just like if there are no rules how yeah. do you how do you have strong ideas in it yeah well, that's cool it's like the document of that day as well I guess yeah those days. I mean yeah. we're really into that I mean there's like not there's mistakes on the album and we wanted to really capture the actual act of improvising like because it's it, shit goes wrong and that sometimes is where interesting things lie yeah I think I think we both feel like that we wanted to capture just like two guys playing two friends playing music together right and then uh, and then so that's is this a self-release you're doing or is that yeah it is a self-release right which is why it is digital only cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah man but uh, yeah self-releasing it's all 
Yes, well, this is my first ever self-release of anything of my own. So really? it's all been a huge learning curve. Wow, that's <laughs> exciting, isn't it? Like, yeah. No, because... Uh, but I think, I don't know, it feels like that's the thing they were to do it these days. Mm. Well, I do, I'm way. into the sort of, like... The control of it, I guess. Yeah, or just the DIY things. Like, we talked about this when we made the album, actually. It's like, we both do a lot of other people's music, and people are like composition is you know just as important as your ability to play now for a lot of people and I think that's amazing and I think that's really great but um, for me I just get off on improvising so I just wanted it to be about that and that sort of comes back to uh, well, I'm getting confused now <laughs> um I don't know how to say it. Anyway, sorry, it doesn't matter. Okay, cool, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, but no, <laughs> Might have to delete that bit, whereas my brain just sort of went off on one and then <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't take me any further. <laughs> Led me down the garden path and said, fuck off. Good. But, um, what did you actually say? What, just now? Yeah, I do this all the time. I do this when I'm teaching. I talk about things, I'm like, get really excited, and then something else happens, I get really excited, and then I'm just like, where am I? What am I doing? What was yeah, I talking okay, about? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, it's funny with the teaching things sometimes. Oh, the mistakes and stuff. That's yeah. what I was saying. So, like, people... No, I've forgotten. Again, yeah. see? That's <laughs> But, yeah, but, no, <laughs> like, but improvising, though, but when that's in the moment. Hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that's important to document as well, I think. Yeah, because, I just... Yeah, recording... Well, it just changes. But, but it becomes composition as soon as it's recorded. Yeah. In one sense. Yeah. I'm really into the sort of like Ed Blackwell, Julia Redmond thing, uh, you know, like Red and Black that album, right? And it's just like they're just playing, and it, I like music which is as much about the. Sometimes I like music that is actually more about the people playing it than what's being played, like mm. the tunes and stuff. It's just like actually their personalities shine through. That's what really makes it, totally. and it wouldn't be the same if it was two other people. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, no, that's true. Because I mean, um, I think yeah, that's what I was trying to say before, and I got confused. That's cool. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah. like loads of people are amazing, but it's like the the relationships that make really like. Yeah, totally. Because I mean, yeah, even like looking at well, that's the main reason kind of buy albums already. Because hmm. when you look at the lineup, you kind of don't think like, oh, they're playing that team. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess because of that song, but because of the who's on it. Yeah, of the, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also I mean, I, like I have checked out stuff because it's like someone's work, like someone's written a like a big thing, like Tyshawn or something, and it's just yeah. like oof, you know, heavy writing and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, for me, it's like just being able to play and see what happens. Totally, yeah, really yeah. exciting. Plus, uh, I'm into the idea of like. Uh, even if things don't go to plan and just having like the big lineage of work this one mm. has like, uh, <laughs> I mean not everything went to plan on the album but that yeah I I think it's important to yeah. also have those things in yeah but it makes it more human as well well yeah yes yeah actually yeah we talked about I think I tried to say this and then I got lost we talked about the fact that we wanted to capture the actual thing of improvising and it like sounding a bit different from a lot of other stuff that's made yeah. Um, just because 
I guess we were just trying to scratch an itch that we weren't that wasn't being itched by doing other people's things, and that's not no detriment to anybody else. It's just like you know they have to write the music, they have to write just like I want to go into a studio with Matt and just play. Yeah. It's you know it's the same thing. We all have the things that make us us. I just needed to do that. I think totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, improvising. Oof. It's hard. It's, <laughs> it's, great. it's the best. It's amazingly hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, I've got. But you got plans to do another one? I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We were. I spoke to me and Matt. Had a. We haven't really been playing that much in the last sort of six months, just because. You know, it goes always in waves. But we had mm. a play before Christmas. And we're going to get back to writing stuff together. I think we're going to do some more of our own. Before we did this album, this is just improvisations and standards. Because we also wanted to play some tunes, like make a bit of a jazzy album yeah, and yeah. not feel the pressure to be like, here's a load of my new original compositions. Yeah. But we also like used to write tunes together and just like we would improvise and like go. A bit like we do with uh, Mike. Yeah, We'd yeah. like play a bit and go, oh, that's a cool idea. Because I'm not very good at I'm not good enough at the piano to sit home and like hash out loads of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I quite like, and also it's just like that communi- like communication with another person. It's like if I was in a room with I don't know George Crowley, we wouldn't write the same stuff through our improvising as me and Matt or you know yeah, any exactly, yeah. any two other people or like you know. Yeah, it's always like John Scott and Mike Chillingworth. They uploaded a duo of them playing together, and it's just like, wow, you know, that's another way of doing this thing. And it's definitely those two people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really is interesting. Definitely. I don't know if I'm answering any of your questions. No, that's cool. <laughs> just that's rambling cool. stream of <laughs> idiot consciousness. That's all good. But, uh, cool. But, Tua, we've hit one o'clock. Ah. Should we leave it there? I th- yeah, that's why good. not? Yeah. Unless anything else we can think of. I can't think of anything. No, sorry. Thanks for doing it, man. Thank you for doing this podcast. There we go. Our guest this week, Will Glazer. Thank you for joining us, and apologies about the big noise in the background. That was uh, an electric heater. Forgot to mention that up top. But if you stuck with it, Thank you. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Bye.